0: our Savior, our Lord, and our life.
1: Hey again, folks. Thanks again for joining us on this episode of the Our Resolute Hope podcast. This is John Russon. I'm here again with my dear friend, Pastor Frank Friedman. And Frank, you had COVID, but you look so much better.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it was an improvement program, I guess, to strip (laughs) off some of that stuff that doesn't belong. But I'm glad to see you're well
1: and uh, that you're still back on your recording feet. Here you go. Yeah. Well, friends, if you've just joined us, you've caught us in the middle of a series that Frank and I are doing. It's called The One and Others. It's our take on life in the body of Christ. And our conversation is about how God not just wants us to, but designed us and equipped us for kingdom living on this earth. And my friend, I'll give you fair warning. Today's topic is going to be a little bit tough to handle. It comes from Ephesians 4:32. It says, be kind to one another, tender hearted. Uh, some versions call that compassion. Boy, what a powerful word. I did some reading in preparation. So I looked up the definition of this word that's translated tender hearted. And it means, Frank, it means and having unsettled hearts, agitated hearts, strongly compassionate. Uh, having, one translator called it having strong bowels. I guess that's uh, back in King James time. Having strong bowels, basically our gut is too overwhelmed by what we see to look the other way when there's a need. So Frank, that's probably a really powerful definition of compassion. What's your take on that? How do you see compassion?
2: Well, first of all, compassion, John, is who we are because we have the Christ life, because we have a new covenant heart. But there are a lot of things that can get in the way of the expression of our true heart. When I think of compassion, I think of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, John, you and I have discussed this. We discussed it in the last series. I was shocked in researching that last book, Finding God in the Gray, that I had missed this. And just for a reminder for our listeners and for each other, when when Jesus, you know, he lived in anonymity for 30 years, and then it was time to launch the public ministry He got baptized by John. The spirit of God came upon him, empowering him for public ministry. The first thing he does is go into the wilderness, do battle with the enemy and say, your time's up. You know, I've come to defeat you. He reenters civilization, goes to the synagogue, picks up the scrolls and reads. And it just knocked me off my socks. He didn't read, I came to die for your sins. Which you know that is the gospel. At least that's the way I was brought into salvation. He didn't say, "I've come to bring you to heaven." Uh, I, he didn't say, "I've come to restore you to God." He said, "I came to have compassion. I came to bind up broken-hearted people and and set the captives free and give them praise instead of their mourning and their grief and." And John, it just knocked me off my socks. It's uh, compassion is our ministry because that's what Jesus' ministry was. And of course, along the way, he's going to die for our sins. He's going to open heaven. But that whole idea of I'm going to be tenderhearted to people. And when you read the gospels now with that in mind, you just say, oh, I get it. The woman at the well, there was no judgment, condemnation. You're a loose lady. You know, the adulterous woman, there was no condemnation. The lepers, the everybody he came in contact with was let me be compassionate to you. And that's a mind boggling thing to contemplate, John. And and I, it just made me think realize just how much the church has missed this but how much i personally have missed it in the opportunities i've had throughout my lifetime to instead of trying to correct people or fix people just to meet them where they are and say i get what you're going through and i'm here to go through it with you Wow! it's a revolutionary um approach to life
1: it is you know the world will tell us frank uh, to have sympathy well that's like saying oh that happened to them isn't that too bad now some of us might have empathy which is kind of like saying wow i know how that feels i went through that too so it's a little better but compassion means suffering together and you just said that diving into the trenches of where these people are and suffering with
2: them. Uh, That's a synonym for grace, really, isn't it? Yeah, you know, instantly when I was listening to that verse, weep with those who weep. And you said life in the trenches. That's not a natural thing for humanity to do. You know, really, John, most of us are so consumed with our own days, our busyness, the demands on our plates that it is really supernatural to have the idea of with the choice of the will to get into the trenches of another. And again, it it sticks out in the world we live in like like a sore thumb because it is such a foreign entity among humanity. Yes, it is.
1: And I want to jump in here and give a little practical side of all of that, Frank, and why that's so important. You know, we've talked about the fact that compassion can't just sit on the sidelines and watch people suffer. It's got to do something. Because compassion is other focused. And you know, scripture tells us how important that is. Romans 12 says, if it's possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Now I want to talk briefly about this word peaceably. It doesn't say to be at peace uh, because we can interpret that as saying, well, if we're not at war with them, we're at peace with them. But that's not what that word means because living at peace with somebody, all it does is it allows us to live alongside them. But it doesn't really enable us to live with them, to live with them in the trenches We have to purposely choose to act peaceably, that is to do everything we can to make peace, to jump into the trenches, wrap our arms around, and bring, not only eliminate divisions between us and others, but to bring the peace of God into the lives of the people who are suffering. So this is so much more, my friend, than just be at peace with people, because it involves a life-changing commitment to dive in and walk with these people when they're having a hard time walking for
2: themselves. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I'm listening to you and I'm thinking, you know, John, what compassion really is, is love in action. Human love seeks its own highest and best. I love that car because it's so fine, you know, and I love that girl because she makes me feel so good. But it's the exact opposite of God's love, which says, I want to seek your highest and good, even if it comes at my expense. Yes. So that's God. It's otherworldly and it is love in action. It's the choice to say, I'm going to love you. I'm going to seek your highest and best, even if it comes at my expense. And as I think about that with you, John, you know, the parable that Jesus told that sticks in my brain, or at least is pounding there right now, is that story of the Good Samaritan. And, you know, you remember Jesus, the master storyteller said, here's this guy, and he gets beat up, and he's on the side of the road and and you know the different religious people walk by And they go, "Uh uh-oh, and they cross the street to avoid him. I mean, of course, there's so many things going on there. What if the robbers are still there and I get robbed? So self-preservation. What if the guy's dead and now I'm touching a dead body and I'm going to be unclean? Maybe another was like, oh, goodness, I've got appointments. I don't have time for this. You just start to read into it. There's so many things that prohibited compassion in these religious people. And then Jesus brings in the hero who's the unsung hero, <laughs> the Samaritan, the outcast. And he says, that's the guy that stopped, stepped into that man's circumstance and loves him. Yeah. Listening that's- to you talk, the picture
1: comes into my mind that, above all things, compassion opens the door for communication between people. When I am in the trenches, I can easily feel so alone, so abandoned. Nobody understands. Nobody cares. I'm not even sure God cares. But when we show compassion, we open the door so that communication can start and they can feel they're not alone. Somebody's with them. Somebody's taken, just like our God did. Somebody has taken the first step into my world and done something proactive to begin to heal me. So communication, I think, is such an important part of what we, uh, what we give when we show compassion. I don't know how many times I've just been walking through a a grocery store and just struck up a kind conversation with someone who just looks exhausted and their spirits lift up. And I tell them, wow, you look really tired. Must be having a hard day. How can I pray for you today? And it's almost like, wow, I've been doused with cold water. There's a path of caring that's open here through this really simple communication.
2: You know, Tom, listening to you and, and you said that people look at you like they've been hit with a dose of cold water. I want to run with that thought. When Jesus told that parable about the Good Samaritan, I think those people listening to him looked like they got hit with a shot of cold water. Because it was the outcast who was being more like God than they were. But today, I think it's even worse. And let me explain what I mean by that. We've had the COVID. So everybody's got the masks. Everybody's walking in fear. We had the riots. We have the political climate where there's no longer healthy debate. If you're of a different political persuasion, you're the enemy. And we've lost that we were Americans. You know what I mean? And now... I'm thinking when somebody is, is hurt or wounded, now we've got another phenomena, and that's that people are so afraid because of the climate to step in to help that recently, John, I want to call attention to this. A woman in one of our major cities was attacked and raped on a subway or on a train. And there were about 10 or 12 people there and they were filming it with their phones oh my rather than saying i need to be compassionate and step into this woman's need i think john our culture has so degenerated so far from god that compassion, if it would be magnified, if it would be demonstrated by the church, in Jesus' day, it would have been magnified tenfold. In our culture, compassion, I think, is magnified a hundredfold. And so this is really a very timely and powerful charge to the church to let the compassionate life of Jesus that is in us out of
1: yeah, you are so right, my friend. Uh, compassion is almost a vanishing commodity in our society. And when I think in the church of the way we like to focus on scriptures and praise our God and glorify our Savior, but when I look at how we act, sometimes I don't see a really close correspondence between what we say and what we do. I want to read just a couple of scriptures that gives us a snapshot of our father's compassion. James 5, the Lord is full, Frank, full of compassion and mercy. Psalms 86, you, Lord, are compassionate, slow to anger. Boy, I am so happy he is slow to anger. Hmm. Psalm 145, Frank, the Lord is good to all, He has compassion on all he has made, even those who hate him, even those who crucified him. He has compassion on them all. And that compassion is not just word, it's action. heres I think this is my favorite, Psalms 113. He raises the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap. And he doesn't just lift them. He sits them down with princes. He raises them up and elevates them. He gives the barren woman a home, making her the joyous mother of children. Frank, these are tangible examples of God's compassion
2: on his people, aren't they? Yeah, um, my goodness, John. As an, and as I'm listening to you, I had another passage pop in my mind. Do you remember when Jesus, towards the end of his ministry, he said, you know, when you gave that cup of water to that person, you did it to me. Yes. And what a difference a word makes. He didn't say you did it for me. So it's not about ministering for him. It's about ministering to him. And he is saying when we're being compassionate to someone, when we're loving someone, being kind to someone, he actually says, you're doing it to me. Wow! And that's mind boggling. And then he says, and to the one who sent me. So when I say hello in kindness to that person in the grocery store, this is radical. We don't think like this, but it's true. We're doing it to the triune God. I don't even claim to understand that for a minute, John, but that's what Jesus said. Yeah. This is otherworldly. It's mind boggling. But what a difference a word makes. Yes. You know, I think, John, in the grace community, and I'm going to go after our own here, I I think sometimes we're on an agenda of trying to correct people's theology instead of loving them into life. I think you're right.
1: Because it makes us feel better to be right. It costs us to show compassion. You know, this example of Jesus, as you just talked about, Frank, is not not just his instruction to us, Uh, He lived that example. Listening to you talk, my mind runs to Mark 1, uh, the leper uh, who came to Jesus and he fell on his knees before him, boldly approaching, uh, doing something society would never condone, stretched out his hand and says, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And this is the part that gets me. Frank, scripture says he was moved. Jesus was moved with compassion. He didn't just get a twinge of compassion. He didn't feel sorry for him. He didn't walk away after he patted his head and said, be warm and be filled. His compassion motivated him to do something. And he stepped in and he made that man whole. You know, I think that's, that's probably the bottom line when I think of what compassion does. It steps into people who have lacks, who have needs, who feel like they're falling apart, they're incomplete, and compassion
2: helps to make them whole again. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, and I think when people are going through the valley of the shadow of death, of which we do multiple times in our time spent on earth, there is a cry within all of us at times that says, is there anyone out there that sees? Is there anyone out there that cares? Is there anyone out there who would uh, value me enough to not only hear my cry, but do something about it? And, you know, John, as we're winding this down today, in my own heart, I'm sitting here thinking, boy, this is convicting. It could be very much where we walk away and go, oh, I'm so self-condemned. But in my heart of hearts, I'm, I'm wanting to take this reminder from Father's word that you have brought to us today, that that's not the right response. Uh, the response is to, to say, oh, what an opportunity I have. What a reminder this has been of what my life is really supposed to be all about my father in heaven is on an agenda of maximizing my experience and expression of his life to build the kingdom of his son and i'm gonna uh, be more aware of that not judged condemned beat myself up i do holy spirit want to be more aware of what my life on this planet is really all about yeah yeah And I want to move one step closer to fulfilling that. Yeah.
1: I want to bind up the broken. You know, Frank, Ephesians 4 tells us that we have that very same heart of compassion in us. You know, we have in us the ability to say, hey, I get it. I understand your suffering. And, you know, what can I do to help? You mentioned the good Samaritan. It's a perfect example. But Frank, I want to throw a monkey wrench into our conversation if I can. We've been talking about people who are just suffering, struggling because of loss or pain or circumstances of life. But what about those who are struggling because they just did something stupid? Those who are in obvious sin, maybe habitual sin, circumstances that they brought on themselves, you know, Frank. You and I have talked about this a lot. We know what it's like to succumb to the enemy when he throws a temptation at us. How do we respond? Does it change our response uh, when someone actually does something to sinfully bring the consequences on themselves?
2: Oh, John, that's the the wonder of this glorious God that we have. In His eyes, it doesn't matter whether it was brought on by living in a fallen world or brought on by your own self and your silly choices that we made. He is redeemer, which, you know, means he brings things back. He restores. Probably my favorite passage in all the New Testament is Peter. In John 21, you know, three times denies his master. And Jesus says three times do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And you think, oh, Jesus, what are you doing? There? That had to hurt Peter. But each time he follows those questions by saying, go feed my sheep, son. In other words, you're still my guy. Yeah. So that, I think, is the great glory. This idea of compassion, it never runs out. Jesus is always ready. All it requires is us to turn and saying, Lord, I I was stupid. I I I remember Psalm 73, Asaph, you know, when he doubted God and he said, I've served you in vain, God. He then says, I mean, I was acting like an animal. Uh, I was really that far gone. And the Lord was always there to restore. So uh, I think we should be the same way.
1: Yeah. You said the magic word, Frank. Restore. Listening to you talk, Galatians 6 1, I think fits in very perfectly here. And let me try to read through that with uh, John's expanded translation. It says, Brothers, if any one of you is caught in a trespass, that means it's a trap, it's a snare. You stepped in it, you didn't know what you were doing, you just got caught. It doesn't mean, ha, you were discovered, ha, I caught you doing that finally. It just means if you trip up, if you get your foot caught in the snare, the rest of us who, for the moment, are not caught in that snare, who are spiritual, our job is really simple, Frank. It's to restore them. And that's the same word, my friend, uh, that to describe the process of mending a broken bone. To restore them to mend them, to make them whole. How? With a spirit of gentleness. Wow. You know, it's simple, my friend, but what a tremendous responsibility we have if Father brings such a person across our path. Because really only he can restore, but he chooses to use us,
2: doesn't he? That's the marvel, isn't it? He chooses yeah. to use us. He, does, he has chosen us. To not minister the new covenant apart from us. He involves us in his work of redemption. It's mind boggling.
1: That's right. And uh, you mentioned this earlier, Luke chapter four, his very first sermon. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel of the poor, heal the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to the captives, sight to the blind, And I think it would change us if we took out the the pronoun me and put in us, or we put ourselves in there. Frank, the spirit of the Lord is upon Frank and John. My friend, he has appointed us to preach the gospel to the poor. He has appointed us to heal the brokenhearted and us to proclaim the liberty to the captives. You know, it's not just something Jesus did. It's now something he's made us to. So we pick up that mantle uh, just as he did.
2: We're not so much to present to the world how right we are, but to present the right one. And that's through the power of love. He wants to love the world through us. Even those who hate us, even those who are enemies, even those who bring their consequences upon themselves. We are the agents of life and redemption. What a mind-boggling responsibility, but also just what a mind-boggling privilege that we are the living letter that they can see of Christ. Yes, it is. Boy, thanks for this topic, John. It's a, it's a powerful thing to think through today. Indeed it is. It is.
1: And I've got one more caution for us, both, Frank, and for our listeners. It's easy for us to go on a crusade and think that we've got to help everybody we see. I mean, I live in Southern Arizona. And in the wintertime, we got homeless people on every corner, four on some corners sometimes. They're everywhere because it's warm in the winter. So they come down here and some churches... Just make it their mission to help everybody. But when you do that, you quickly realize that the needs are so much greater than the resources. So an important question we need to ask is this, listeners. How did Jesus do what he did when he helped the poor and the suffering? Now, he acknowledged in Mark 14 that we always will have the poor with us. But how did he do it? He told us plainly in John 5 he did the works of his father. If you've seen me, you've seen the father. The son can do only what he sees the father doing. And so if father leads you to step into that person's life and do it. But realize that if you do it without his leading, it can very quickly turn into an ego party and a flesh trip and uh, Dear friends, that's not what our Father has created us to do. So thanks again for joining us on this episode of the Our Resolute Hope podcast. We've been talking about the one another's, Frank's and my take on life and the body of Christ. We had a tough topic today. We talked about compassion. So we invite you to listen to this and to the other topics that we've had up here. Please also check out our website, ourresolutehope.com. we got some new stuff there. Please sure to sign up for our newsletter, sign up for our members portal. It's free. Check out our books on Amazon. Just search under Frank Friedman. You'll find them, including his latest book, Finding God in the Gray, The Lonely Path of Pain. As always, we close with this reminder from Hebrews chapter six, that all of us have this hope as an anchor for our souls. Peter calls it a living hope. Frank and I, well, we call it a resolute hope, a steadfast, immovable bedrock kind of hope. That hope is Jesus. So today and always, choose hope, choose Jesus.
0: Thanks for listening. We trust that you've seen Jesus today. And you know that no matter what you're facing, he offers you himself, his own life. He wants to live his life with you, in you and through you as you trust him and walk by faith in this troubled world. You've been listening to our Resolute Hope podcast. For more information, find us online at OurResoluteHope.com and check out our social media channels under the name Our Resolute Hope.